Welcome back to another Caring Support Podcast. This week, we have somebody really special working with uh, an amazing company, Green Shield. She is a uh, lovely human being, and uh, I can't wait to uh, introduce her because she's involved in some very important things that's always been very important, but more than ever with mental health uh, and everything to help with healthcare. So we connected a while back, and Harriet has uh, agreed to be on our podcast because she understands the importance of, of putting herself out there. So uh, I'd like to introduce everyone to the lovely Harriet. It's Ek Perigen. Ek Perigen, you got it. Yes. Okay. So, all right. Well, welcome, Harriet. Uh, it's lovely to have you on our podcast. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. So I wondered if maybe you just uh, you could give us sort of a, a succinct uh, sort of thing, a little bit more about who you are and, you know, what makes you uh, so amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's gracious comments. Um, so my name's Harriet Perigen and I am Vice President of Mental Health at Green Shield under the Green Shield Health Division. Um, my role includes overseeing our, our clinical and our operations and I'll talk a little bit more about what we do at Green Shield but I moved over to Canada about 23 years ago. I started my career in mental health as a mental health nurse in the UK and since then I have done many many things but I always come back to my first love which is mental health. Yeah that's amazing and I love that. I have a soft spot for mental health and and I think a lot of people do and we certainly support it on in our business at Caring Support but I, I know um I think it's amazing. So it's really uh, a privilege for us to have you on our podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I, I'm going to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Like you're saying that, you know, you're a mental health nurse in the UK. So maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about that journey. What, how, you know, you got into that, why you got mm -hmm. into that, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So I've always had an interest in mental health. So I, I was born in Nigeria. Um, moved to the UK when I was 10 years old and then um, moved to Canada, like I said earlier, 23 years ago. I remember, re re recollect um, an image in my mind where I'm um, growing up in Nigeria. Once, about once a week, we would see a group of people that were kind of change and a link and they would go past our home and I never really knew who they were I was probably about seven or eight and one day I asked my mom like who are these people because I thought they were prisoners in the you know prison nearby going for their weekly walks and my mom explained to me that they were um, people that were in a mental health institution and this was their uh, weekly walk and that really touched me and um, I, I remember that image very vividly and I think that's really shaped the work that I do today and continue to do because then I developed an interest in mental health and mental illness and why do some people become ill and some people don't how do people recover do people recover and these were all the questions I had in my head that nobody could really answer because growing up in in countries like Nigeria, Africa, and other places in the world, you're either mad or you're not mad. And there weren't really any explanation about this. And so this is really what kind of got me interested in, in the mental health field. Yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. It takes such a keen interest. So, and then, you know, it's moving into insurance and stuff that maybe I can ask you what, what inspired you to, to go in that direction. And I, obviously mm -hmm. you oversee on the mental health side. So this is amazing. That sounds like a, mm -hmm. a proper thing to do, but what, why that in particular? Yeah. So that's a really great question. So I've worked in the mental health field um, for uh, many, many years. And as a mental health nurse, it was to be hands-on. I actually started a degree in psychology, but I found it very boring because it was very theoretical.
practical and I needed to be hands-on. And so I switched over to mental health nursing and that allowed me to be more hands-on, do more um, internships and practicums within hospitals. And one thing that always stuck to me was it's great to kind of provide the um, in-moment care, but who's influencing how people get this care? And do people need to be in the hospital to get this care? Are there other ways? And I found myself, you know, earlier on in my career, kind of asking these questions again. And I quickly realized that I could have a voice. I could participate in and shape how people get health healthcare in this space. And so in order to do that, I actually went back to school and did my MBA um, to develop those leadership skills that would allow me to be able to be an advocate at a senior level for folks that are looking for help. And so after completing my MBA, I went back to the hospital that I worked at and got a job as a manager. And some of those ideas that I had around, you know, wait times and how we could reduce wait times and how we could um, provide better care and quality care for people, I was able to put those things into practice. And so many, many years later, I realized that, you know, this is the type of work I really like doing. I like to have projects. I like to to be able to create access for folks. And my journey into the into the insurance field, um, the only reason I actually took on this role is because Greenshield, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, is Canada's only not-for-profit um, health and dental insurance company. And so the revenues that are generated after all of the expenses are actually put back into the community. And one of the areas that Green Shield um, played a big part on was oral care. The next area they were looking to play a big part on in terms of contributing money to the community was mental health. And that's where I came in. And so my boss, I had known him over the years and in other areas, reached out to me and said, we're really looking for somebody that can work with us to create access, um, using insurance, um, creating a shared value, creating an opportunity for us to put some of these um, earnings back into the community in the mental health field. And that was just a perfect marriage for me. Well, that sounds amazing <laughs> for you. You can clearly tell that you love it, which is so cool. Uh, there's just not enough passion. Us. Yeah. And I think you can gather from knowing me enough to know that, yeah, I, I love what we do. It, yeah. We're all about helping healthcare. But it's, it's you know, I always tell people it's not about money and success and all that. Hopefully that would come later, but it's about being a value. And you know, if you are a value to the community and you're applying something towards it in a way that really allows you to be passionate about it, it's just going to be a huge win-win, not just for you, but for everyone who you're trying to help because they're going to see that you really care, right? And Absolutely. Okay. So Green Shield is known for its unique approach Mm -hmm. uh, as a payer provider in Canada. And so could you maybe help us understand what that looks like in more detail and, and how it benefits Canadians? Yeah. So maybe before I do that, I can give you a brief background about Green Shield because I think the context sure. is really super. Yeah. So Green Shield was born out of, we say we're a not-for-profit and we started as a not-for-profit. So the story is that uh, a mother went into a pharmacy, a pharmacy to fill out the prescription, one for herself and one for her daughter. And when she was told how much it would cost, she had to make the decision whether she should fill her daughter's prescription or fill her prescription. Of course, as most mothers would, decided to fill her daughter's prescription and forego hers. And this gave the uh, founder, William Wilkinson, the idea because he, he felt really compelled to support this, this mother. And so gave her the idea of, um, gave him the idea to 
uh, kind of create it, Canada's first uh, drug plan by creating a, a consortium of pharmacists that would support this and, and go to employees and say, you know, you, you need to provide this sort of service for your uh, employees. And so that's how Green Shield was born. And throughout the 65, 67 years, actually, that we have been in existence, everything that we do is baked into our DNA. It's it's a not-for-profit. And so we um, provide those earnings back into the community, like I spoke about um, before. So my role really is around, uh, my role is uh, I, I take care of the, Green Shield Health Operations and Clinical. So the way that our payer provider looks like is we have our traditional insurance, which is where we started. So if you're an employee, you you know you go into a physio or anything that's not paid for by the ministry or your local government, and you get reimbursed. So for example, dental care, you get reimbursed for that, uh, and that's what we provide. As a as a provider, we taken a new evolution in becoming a payer provider and what that means is that we provide services as well so we provide mental health services we provide telemedicine and we provide um, digital pharmacy and what that allows us to do is to really work in tandem to create an integrated healthcare system where a uh, an employee for example that's a member of green shield can get their employment um, get their insurance paid for, but we also can provide the services and that allows us to collect the data to support that person's well-being. So, for example, if you're having difficulties with, you know, you're, um, you're, you're not feeling very well and you want to see a family doctor and you can't get in to see a family doctor, you can actually access telemedicine via our platform and that family doctor can determine what your needs are and if they feel that you know this person is really struggling with their mental health for example they can then refer you to one of our mental health services so it's really kind of created that integrated platform for our for our, our plan members that allows them to get the services that they want in a great you know in, in in a timely manner because we all know that waiting for services is a huge problem within our country oh absolutely it is um yeah, no, thank you for explaining that. That really gives some, you know, great background and context, you know. Um, so how, how does Green Shield's not-for-profit social enterprise status impact the way it delivers these mental health services? Uh, so I'll start off by saying that, you know, we're not in the business of making money for our shareholders. So that's not something that we have to kind of consider in how we provide services. Uh, we're in the business of ensuring that we provide timely access to services and quality services. We want to be able to meet people where they're at, provide them with what they need at a, in a timely manner. And so for, for many of us, for, for me especially over the last 15 years, I've been a, a huge advocate of using uh, virtual um, care for providing services like I always say to people when was the last time you went into a bank I've probably never I haven't been into a bank for the last maybe a month to two months but we do banking every day because we have the technology to be able to help us with that and so over the last 15 years I've been really focused on you know and interested in how we can use technology to provide services that we need in the mental health space and I think COVID was a great silver lining in not only uncovering the tremendous mental health need that we have um, in the country and around the world, but also what are the what are the quick ways that we can actually provide access to folks. And so I would say about 80% of our clients today prefer to have virtual services. So we provide them counseling uh, online. 
Yeah. And great analogy on the bank, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very true. Um, mm-hmm. And I know a lot of things. Uh, sometimes it's hard to change. It's hard for people to uh, embrace that or, or, or understand why it's important. And there's fear associated. Uh, but I think a lot of times, even for the user, uh, once they start using it, they're going, well, this is great. I don't have to wait mm-hmm. forever in line. I don't have to, you know, drive somewhere. I don't have to, you know, find parking. I don't have to, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's just so much more convenient and saves mm-hmm. everyone time and money, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Champion. So uh, now you're talking about the impact this will have, uh, yeah. and, I, and I, I see there's a goal of at least 1 million Canadians by 2025. Would that be, would that be correct? Yes. yes. So tell us a little more about the initiatives and strategies you're doing to implement this and hopefully achieve. Yeah. So there are a few things that we're doing. We're doing a lot of things, actually. Um, but one of the one of the main things we're doing is we've created this integrated platform and ecosystem, which we call Green Shield Health. And what that allows you to do is to have a single sign-on. So one place that you sign on, whether you are uh, putting through a claim for a physio appointment, yeah. um, uh, appointment, for example, or you're looking for a mental health service, a counselling, or you're looking for um, inter- internet-based cognitive behavior therapy, or you are looking to see a doctor through telemedicine. We've created one ecosystem, and we believe that we're the first in Canada to 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 create this ecosystem where we're a payer and provider that allows you seamless access. So you don't have to remember multiple passwords. You can go through different um, services wow. online. And, and and right now we have um, launched to uh, one, a very large client called Victor, who has multiple um, employees under them, as well as uh, ourselves. So our Green Shield employees are using it because we're, you know, what better test case to use than your own employees? We have over 2000 employees. So we're all on Green Shield Plus. And we have the desktop right now, in November, we'll be um, we'll be launching the the app so that we can access it uh, on our phones, and it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. I, I can't I can't be more proud of our tech team that have built this space because we, you know, everybody's trying to do this, and we built this in in record time. And and surprisingly, I'll say surprisingly, we haven't had any complaints about technical issues because of the, you know, the teller stuff that we have and the fact that we actually listened to what people want and what people need. So I have no doubt that, you know, we'll, we'll meet um, our target. In terms of what we're doing on the social enterprise side, we have committed to contributing um, 750 uh, um, $75 million by um, 2025. Uh, and that mainly is for our two signature initiatives, so oral care and mental health. Um, last two years ago, we launched our women's mental health program that provided uh, free mental health services to anybody that identifies as a woman in Canada. And in one year alone, we provided sixty over 60,000 women with free counselling wow. and free CBT. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we're That's well great. on our way. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I, I mean, it sounds like you guys uh, are doing amazing things, but it's it's beautiful how how you in in you know by your action, um, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So so I mean, you know, and we could elaborate more in the things. I want to be mindful of time about success stories or examples of how it's thing, and feel free to share that if you so desire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what what I'd like to do is ask a little bit about the ink blot therapy, if I yeah. could. Yes. So. 
Uh, in your role with that, it, I'm wondering what what are the specific services related to mental health that you focus on providing, and how yeah. do they contribute to one's overall well-being? Yeah, that's a great question. So, Ink Block Therapy, for those that may not know, is um, the platform that is our is our mental health platform. So it's a Green Shield Health mental health platform, right. and through that service, we have multiple um, mental health services. So the general mental health services that generic one that people might know is online counseling so if i'm looking for a counselor i could go on inkblot one of the unique things about inkblot therapy and why we're so proud of it is that there's actually a matching algorithm behind the platform so for example if i'm a um, a male uh, from um uh, an African descent, and I'm looking for somebody that has that cultural competency, somebody that may have, um, I might be looking for somebody that has some experience in the LGBTQ um, S plus community, and some maybe I'm experiencing some, you know, parental challenges. I can actually go through our matching algorithm and put in some of those uh, requirements that I'm seeking. And then the algorithm in the back end spits out, you know, a number of clinicians that match your criteria. And that's not something that we see every day. Typically, if I'm looking for services, you get the next available clinician and you get what you get and you don't get upset or you, you, get upset, don't go back, and that's the end of your mental health um, seeking journey. And so by creating this algorithm, what we've managed to do is to ensure that from the get-go, we're matching you with somebody that you can create that therapeutic relationship with and encourage you to continue to get the help that you so need. And so that's that's ink a lot. Um, that's uh, our counseling. We also have our internet-based cognitive behavior therapy. So for those that don't know, CBT is regarded as the gold standard for treating depression and anxiety. And it gives you, it, it helps, it, it works like a course. So it helps you kind of go through different levels. For example, if I'm struggling with anxiety, um, uh, we have what we call a fear ladder. Uh, just to give you an example, if I'm afraid of, you know, an upcoming speaking engagement like today, I can actually go through some of those processes through those steps to help me just kind of calm my mind down and get prepared for that um, event that I'm facing. And so that's uh, the, our second largest. And that program is actually offered to all of Nova Scotia residents, um, as well as recently launched in Ontario. So anybody that's in Ontario can actually get access to that program uh, free of charge paid by the government, government of Ontario. If you're in Nova Scotia, that's paid for by the government of Nova Scotia. And so those are the two main counselling platforms. And then we do other things for our, for our clients like trauma support, for example, we have a large bank that's a client of ours. We all know that banks typically, you know, would would experience from time to time things like um, theft and robbery, and that can be a very traumatic experience. And we have um, teams that can go in and kind of do a debrief, a trauma debrief, and help these uh, employees to, you know, get, return to work uh, at their optimal best. And so, so those are the some of the threes. That there are others. We have platforms that people can go on and just read about, uh, curious about what is mental health, what is mental illness. You know, how do I talk to my team about mental health issues? How do I talk to my loved ones about mental health issues? And so we have both educational and actually hands-on um, counseling. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. This is a really, really uh, brilliant uh, thing. And the timing couldn't even be better now, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of leads to our next question. And that's, you know, how has demand for this evolved over the time? Because, you know, in this post-pandemic world that we see today, 
uh, other than some of the things that we hear about, you know, when it comes to the burnout and, and, mm-hmm. and all those things, which ties right into mental health, of course, is the fact that there's an overall uh, you know, issue with with massive mental health problems right now, um, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just curious. To, maybe you could shed some light on on mm-hmm. that in in lieu of what you're doing and how yeah. it's it's really helping with the today's you know condition. Yeah. So we know that you know during COVID there was a spike. If we look at the Mental Health Research Canada uh, poll that was done throughout COVID, we know that there was a spike in the number of people that were reporting higher levels of anxiety or anxiety or depression for the first time people were worried about catching covid people were worried about you know losing their jobs and um, and so we saw a, a, a high demand or a high spike in in anxiety however what we're finding now in some instances are that there is a, a bit of a dip in the number of people that are that are reporting depression and anxiety but the intensity so the symptomatology has actually increased and so people are struggling with, we all know, if you were like me and have a mortgage, you've seen a change in your mortgage. If you have a variable rate mortgage, we know that people are really struggling. The cost of living is really expensive. People are now worried about how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to put food on the table for my children? How am I going to buy them the basic necessities of life? And so that is spiking another um, a- another wave of depression and anxiety that we're seeing. And so our programs are designed, you know, we're not going to be able to you know, provide food for you, but we have programs that we can help as part of our mental health and life services that can actually provide financial support in terms of financial advice and provide, um, you know, just just helping you to kind of de-escalate that level of anxiety and depression and help you to kind of think more clearly into the next day. Absolutely. And and beautifully stated. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it. this is something that uh, I've had friends reach out to me when they've been struggling because I'm a big proponent of emotional intelligence. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you just sometimes I tell people the best thing you can ever do is give someone all your time. And that means like to really listen actively mm-hmm. uh, to learn to understand. And uh, for some people, that's all they want. They mm-hmm. want someone who's willing to listen because they feel so alone. They feel so, you know, they're not sure who they can trust to share it with. And uh, so love, love what you're saying, Harriet. It's beautiful. Um and I'm going to switch it up a little and, and also be mindful of time. So I want to delve right into the, to your personal feelings on this, because obviously mm-hmm. that is tied to it. But, you know, based on all your extensive experience, and you are certainly are a superstar in this field, what advice would you give to individuals seeking to improve their mental health or support others in their mental health journey? It's a great question. I think there, those are two separate questions. Um, and we hear about, you know, how we how can we best take care of our mental health? And then how can we provide support to those that need it, right? And so um, for, for, for us, I think all of us struggle with our mental health during COVID. And there are some certain things that we did that were helpful and certain things that we were doing that were helpful and as we come out of the pandemic some people kind of drop off on those things I think it's a really good reminder to when you're feeling you know overwhelmed to kind of think back to some of those things you were doing so for me I would get up in the morning and go for a walk and that was my thing I would go for a walk and meditate and then uh, I also because I was sitting a lot um, during COVID not going to the office I actually developed some back problems and so I took up yoga 
And so that was really helpful for me because it not only did it help my physical, it also helped my well-being. And, and I find myself, I have an exercise ball in my office now and I find myself, you know, in between meetings, I just go on my exercise ball and do some core exercises, even if I do five or 10, you know, in the span of five minutes, that's really helpful. That's kind of helping me with my posture. That's helping me with my well-being. And then uh, there are other things, you know, if that's not working or if you need more, I always think of things like a stepped care model where you, you, you go to a place on the step that you need. So for example, if you're just feeling tired and all you need is a little bit it's an hour sleep that might be step one to a point where okay at this point I really need to talk to somebody either talk to a loved one somebody that you trust or it could be I really need to go on a website and look at why am I feeling tired all the time why am I not eating why am I not sleeping or why am I sleeping eight hours and still waking up feeling tired and those are those are symptoms of you know depression or why am I feeling like my heart racing all the time those are symptoms of anxiety and so just listening to your body and um, actioning what your body is telling you because a lot of the times we listen to our bodies but we just keep plowing along because we feel like we're a superhero and um, it's okay to say no it's okay to say no that you know to, to loved ones but just allowing them to know that you need your space and you need some time for yourself um, but going and seeking help from a professional is really important as well if you're not able to do it on your own and then on the other side in terms of how you broach a topic you know just like you said James you know listening giving people your time and I always say don't if you're going to ask how are you doing that question make sure you have the time to listen to how the person yeah. is doing, right? Because there's no point in saying, hey, the, 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 the funniest thing is if you ever say, how are you doing to somebody? And they say, not great. And it's like, oh, awkward. But it really shouldn't be awkward because if you're taking the time to ask how you're doing, especially if it's like, you know, a friend or a team member, you should really have the time to listen. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's really important. Just having resources, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're talking to a co-worker, if you have employee assistant program, just having that information, um, just like you said, just listening sometimes just really helps. And one thing I would say as well is that if you are listening, it's okay to share your experience if, you, if you've had a similar experience. Let your experience not be the solution for that person because we're all different. Yeah, yeah I think we and and this is really wonderful, Harriet. Because as I say to people, one of the greatest things you can do is show empathy. And but empathy is not uh, based on on making people. You know, when you somebody shares something where they're really hurting, and then you're like, oh, I I had a similar, and you're like, mm -hmm. dude, that doesn't help. Mm -hmm. You know, like. What helps right now is just to give them that opportunity to talk yes. about something that bothers them and to mm -hmm. and to respect that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there will come that time where you might be able to share that, that, that would help them. I think yes. one of the things that I learned out of COVID, and there was a lot to learn, mm -hmm. is that, you know, we saw a lot of people reflect on their lives and started to go, what am I doing going to an office when all I need yeah. is broadband? Yeah. And it made people reevaluate what they were doing, yeah. where they were going, what, what it was all about. The only thing that I think was a downside to some of that was the focus was on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we come out of this and, and we see a lot more uptick in violence and people with less patience and uh, people are very upset because I've always said to people, and how you measure patience is simply take people back to dial up in internet mm -hmm. speed and, and wait one minute. Um, yeah. I hate to say it, but it's true. But, you know, we built a world of inconvenience, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden that was taken away. 
And I say, how do you think people will react to that? You know, they're not going to be happy. Yeah. But, you know, when people had to learn to roll with it, it, I think people got very focused and not everyone, but a lot of people got very focused on where they were going. And then it made it really hard for them to figure out how to interact with everybody else because now they're reevaluating where they are in life. So all of a sudden they're forced to be with their spouse when normally the only reason they were together was because they never saw each other. <laughs> and then you and then you have other situations or whatever. And then, you know, it, it a lot of stuff happened. And I said to people, we have to focus on the right things. And we are still people and we're still a community and we still should be doing whatever we can to reach out and help others. So really appreciate that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the future of mental health. Yes. So how do you envision the future of, you know, mental health services in Canada and what role do you guys play in this? And and by the way, I mean, you've kind of been touching on it because the stuff you're doing is very forward thinking. Uh, which is great, embracing digital health and embracing, you know, uh, uh, blogs and a resource area for people to go to to find information where they, you know, if they're nervous to talk to somebody, they can just go read and and and, and learn that about what's going on in their world or how they help a loved one that they know is struggling. Um, yeah. But maybe you can just share a little bit from your perspective, because, you know, you are the rock star. At <laughs> <laughs> Green Shield and, and uh, mental health. So from your perspective, how do you see the future of mental health services in Canada? Yeah, I think one thing that keeps coming back to me, James, is that we have limited resources, right? So the demand is increasing, but the ability to meet that demand is not increasing at the same rate. So what do we do in this situation, right? How do we how do we bridge that gap that we have between um, the the demand and what we're able to provide? And I really, really do believe that um, we we need to absolutely continue to um, push the digital um, the, the digital uh, agenda. Uh, there, there are many, many uh, conditions. So depression, anxiety, for example, most people that are suffering with uh, mental illness are within that depression, anxiety category. And I don't think that it's necessary that you need to go and see somebody in person or you need to go walk into a hospital to speak to somebody. There are many strategies that can be used for that. And the digital space is ripe for that, right? So yesterday I was at uh, at a conference where they talked about, you know, using AI to kind of triage what's happening with somebody, um, your feelings, your thoughts, your uh, behavior. And, and through that, being able to kind of provide or recommend the appropriate services that you need. Because one thing we know is just, it's like trial and error, for example, with, with medication. Like, how do you know that you're allergic to medication? Because you take it and then you develop a rash and it's like, oh, okay, I can't take penicillin anymore, right? And so it's the same. But if we're able to do similar to what they're doing in the in the pharma, pharmacy space where um, we're looking at pharmacogenetics, so we're looking at taking your DNA and doing some series of tests to see whether a specific specific medication would work for your depression or your anxiety or any other condition. I see more of that happening in this space so that we're not using ourselves as guinea pigs and human error and human trials. So I see that happening. Uh, I think I would love for that to, to see more of that, especially within the mental health space. One of the things that I've been quite interested in recently is learning that many of the medications for, um, for mental health were developed uh, using male men for test cases. So there was really limited use of these medications in women. And, and, and then people wonder why, you know, a certain medication is not working for Sophie that works 
worked for John, for example. Right, and right. Um, there, there are some really cool uh, scientific research has been happening right now that's looking at medicate what those medications do for women. If they don't work, what are the medications that do work for women, right? So the, we have different DNA, we have different hormones and those kinds of things play into it. And that's never been looked at before in the past. And so that's really interesting to me. Uh, but I think, you know, the future of mental health is stay the course for digital continue to to kind of focus on, on research, um, looking at the data. Data is huge, you know, like what are we what are we seeing? Not just mental health, but how do our men how does our mental health impact our physical health and vice versa? So really interested in those things and all of those things we're doing and I'm, I'm just really excited for the next uh, the next future stage of uh, mental health yeah amazing uh harry we pretty well run out of time i'm sorry to say but <laughs> i will tell you no i that this has been very enlightening uh and it, it's also been um uh really great and uh, i mean this is such an important topic and and you really do champion it fantastically well um and you can tell that you really really care about it um in every way shape and form and that is truly beautiful um I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, being on our podcast. And what I'd love to do is I'd love to close it out by uh, just asking you if you have any th final thoughts on on this whole subject. Yeah, I the only thing I would say, you know, please do not suffer in silence. Uh, I think COVID has exposed that we all we're all humans. We all go through challenges. And so if you are having a challenge in the mental health space, if you're not able to act, feel uh, and behave in a certain way that, you know, you, you typically would do, then I would say, you know, you need to talk to somebody and, and you should never be ashamed of that. Because if you had a, a cut, you would go to to get that seen. So if you have a, a mental health challenge, it should not be any different. Absolutely. So again, Harriet, that was amazingly well said. Uh, and it's a great way to end it because, you know, a lot of people do suffer in silence. And I, I think they they don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to. And you guys have tremendous resources and people who care making a difference every day. And uh, I just want to say this was a complete privilege to have you on our podcast. Anyway, uh, thanks very much, Harriet. I, I uh, We wish you all the best. Stay in touch and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you.